Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. And this week, we have a very special guest. Her name is Celeste Frazier, and she's an inspirational speaker, podcaster, counselor, visioning facilitator, teacher, and writer. She's directed outreach ministries to convalescent homes, children's hospitals, hospices, and prisons, providing shut-ins with love and light. And uh, her books are available on Amazon and Kindle, and her website is CelesteFraser.com. But the thing that really got me to want to interview her is that she has a degree in consciousness studies, and uh, I could not be more intrigued by any subject than consciousness studies. So with no further delays, Celeste, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Awesome. And we usually just ask a couple background questions, which is, uh, where did you grow up? Um, How old are you? And what generation, if any, are you a member of? I am in... A suburb of Chicago called Forest Park. And that's, I grew up in Chicago and I am 64, almost 65 in uh, about three weeks. And yeah, I am a baby boomer. Awesome. So I'm just going to start straight up with uh, consciousness studies. It might not be what you're all about and you might want to steer the conversation beyond that, but I would love to know not only how you got into that, but uh, maybe just a little bit about it for our audience, especially. Well, um, I guess I'll start with, uh, as I, I went to Agape International Spiritual Center, where Michael Bernard Beckwith is a minister, a uh, spiritual leader, and uh, I started taking classes, and I kept taking classes because I was thirsting for more, and then I became a licensed practitioner, which is, you know, a spiritual counselor, and then um, they were like, do you want to go to ministerial school? And I was like, um... I don't know. I don't know that I want to, <laughs> but I remember, in fact, all the way back to my first new members class that um, they had these tapes and I was like, what are those? And they ended up to be tapes, uh, CDs and uh, tapes. Yeah, we we still used <laughs> cassettes then too. And this was for Holmes Institute. And they were offering a, a, a degree in consciousness studies, a master's in consciousness studies, which includes philosophy, psychology, science and spirituality, leadership, theology, and uh, like that. So um, that was our curriculum towards our master's in consciousness studies. So, you know, it would range um all kinds of philosophy classes, psychology classes, spirituality classes, theology. It's so rich. And I mean, it, it also, it's what the show's all about, which is like interviewing diverse minds with diverse opinions about like, not just the meaning of life, if any, but like even our scientific interpretation of it. And, you know, the one, the one stickler in every single person's like caveats for their beliefs is like, yeah, I really don't understand consciousness and I wish I did. So I'm curious, do you, do you feel like you have a a leg up on the average person in understanding it, or even with your advanced degree, is it still just like this wild and woolly subject? It's it's a constant exploration. And so now I've been a minister for 16 years and I can't say that I know everything. I continue to learn um, and I thirst to learn more. Uh, but I, I might know a little bit more about consciousness than somebody who never even thought about it for sure. 
<laughs> do, you, do you remember on the way up on the journey, like any profound things about consciousness that you've learned that maybe like now you kind of think is old hat, but might be interesting for someone to consider? Like, like what's a dynamic of consciousness that you got into or, or learned about? Well, you know, I was I was looking at uh, science of mind, which is a philosophy, a science and a way of life. And it's not the same as Scientology, um, but it was it was founded by Ernest Holmes in the um, early 1930s. And his predecessors were people like um, Fillmore, uh, who is the uh, originator of Unity, Unity Village, The Daily Word, those kinds of things. They were all taught by this woman named Emma Curtis Hopkins, who was called the teacher of teachers. So she was a mystic. And and so Ernest Holmes branch was religious science. The Fillmore's did theirs. There was divine science, you know. So there's different parts of the new thought movement that started. They kind of came out of the transcendentalist movement of the early 1900s. You know, so the influence we were like also Ralph Waldo Emerson and you know, those kind of people. And Norman Vincent Peale came out of that. And, you know, so this is the 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 exploration, you know, we're the people that ask why. We want to know a little bit more beyond what's on the surface. Um, and so my journey just began taking, you know, what are the foundations of science of mind? What is, you know, what is this spiritual mind treatment, which is a form of affirmative prayer, they're really a scientific because, you know, it's kind of like God is abundance. You know, I'm one with God, therefore I'm abundant. I give thanks and I release this word. So, you know, whatever your issue is, you face it head on with whatever the principle or quality is. It may be the opposite of what you're experiencing at the moment. And so I continue to, you know, take classes like self-mastery and was really helping me navigate through life in better ways than I had before. You know, I was equipped to not react so much and start responding. And, I, you know, I continued to take classes and learn more about, you know, people like the, the founders, like um, of, of some of these ideas and ideologies like Thomas Troward, Emma Curtis Hopkins, Ralph Walter Emerson, different, um, um, spiritual, but really creative and um, highly evolved in their thinking. And so not really people who are kind of just like going along with the rest that are really kind of expanding, you know, in, in terms of exploring consciousness. And so um, as I went forward, I, you know, on my first, my first class, I remember having a mystical experience. It was like I I was in bed and I felt myself like <sighs> going into this deep abyss. And um, I, I remember consciously choosing to stay, you know, by earth because I didn't want to be totally lost. And, um, you know, like the next day when I went to class, I was saying things that I had no knowledge of, but it was coming from me that... Um, really was fascinating to me because it was really intelligent and really, you know, correct. And, and so um, I was like, okay, I think I'm, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Let's see where this is going. 
right? And so I just, you know, I followed and I started having more mystical experiences. You know, my grandmother made her transition and it's like the heavens opened up and I was getting all of this information. I was usually the person who presented for the family and those kinds of things because I had entertainment background and and so stuff started coming up and um you know um this word obedient came out of my mouth and it wasn't a word that I used wasn't a word that I liked you know (laughs) um and I realized that because I had been obedient that um I was being told that you know you know I can I can say things through you. And are you going are you going to continue to be obedient? And I kind of played it off like, you know, I didn't have my glasses or whatever, you know. But people were like really like wowed and and and, and so um I had never heard anybody get like a hearty applause at a funeral before. <laughs> so it was like and they were like there goes the minister and I was like, "Whoa." You know, because I had just taken one class and I was like, okay, no, I was just doing a family tribute here, guy. You know, I'm not sure where you where you're going there. And somebody asked my mother, you know, was I going to be a minister? And she said, no. And I said, well, maybe let's not say no just yet because I knew something was going on, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. It's a uh, wow. And uh, I, I guess it, it kind of segues into it. But uh, when, you, when you talk about mystical experiences, uh, the average person listening to this podcast is very open-minded, but I think everyone just kind of goes to their own different version. When you say a mystical experience, is it um, like beyond the normal relative experiences we share here on earth in our experiences? Is it like a dream? Like, is there any way to kind of like describe it a little bit more? Hey everyone. If you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P dot com. Thanks. You know, my best way of describing it is a direct contact with spirit. And is that contact like mental or is it like a feeling or is it both? The information comes through the mental vessel, um, but it's it's more than mental. Um, it, it It's spiritual. I, I, was at a, I was at a conference last month and I was giving a talk and I could I was watching myself give the talk. It was like I was separate from the person who was talking. So it's kind of hard to explain because it's not a normal everyday experience for most people. But it's it's something that, you know, that fascinates me and thrills me. And I keep, you know, I keep doing my spiritual practices, my meditation, my prayer work, my visioning, um, and, you know, all the tools that I use um, to stay connected to Source. Um, you know, because really that's that's all jesus did you know that's all the spiritual avatars did buddha you know uh krishna they they just stayed in tune with their spirit and so in in line with that thought i think a lot about the difference between happiness and contentment and as i age i'm 41 i i get much more strongly opinionated about this and i and i feel like chasing happiness is really foolish for me at least uh, whereas contentment is really where i'm i'm looking to be peaceful content and what you said earlier like reacting less because when you're content you don't see the the need to react to things as much so i'm curious with all that in mind and with what you just said about jesus and buddha and and many other people who have come and gone is life like a game to you or do you think it's it's serious wow um you know it kind of depends on 
where I am on any given day. Sometimes it can feel pretty serious when I think about some of the ills of the world that concern me. I don't think that's unchristlike because I think Jesus was concerned about things that were going on in his lifetime. I know Buddha was because he changed his whole life, you know, and, and so there's that dimension because there's a, there's definitely a deep care for humanity and for all of life. Um, but it's, there comes a point when you reach a certain level of spiritual maturity that you don't trip over every single thing, unless you're just going through, you know, a series of challenges and you kind of off center and then you just have the tools that you recenter so that you don't take everything, you know, to be like a crisis or something. So it kind of, you know, mellows you out so that you're not, you know, getting caught up in the drama and, you know, screaming like a banshee or something you know yeah so. <laughs> i mean it's so interesting you're you're so intelligent and so um even keeled and it's really fun to talk to someone like you because that's you know i just i feel like you're not out to sell me anything convince me of anything but you actually care about helping me and that's really what i think the world needs more of um so kind of on that same note i think right now thanks to technology we're all able to communicate with each other for better or for worse a lot more and a lot quicker do you think that social issues that were around when Buddha lived and social issues that were around when Christ lived and social issues that are around today, do you think they're kind of like the same issues just reoccurring with new people and new generations? Or do you think like there's an actual like progressive line of what we're doing here on earth? Like, do you think like humanity is actually working towards some sort of goal or do you think it's just within each human's life? I think pretty much people are pretty self-absorbed. I think a lot of the things are the same, but I don't think in Jesus's time or Buddha's time or Krishna's time that anybody was necessarily destroying the environment like we are. I think there was a lot more care and understanding. And certainly at the level of a mystic, you know, it was like the people at Finhorn in Scotland, they, they listened to the plants. They didn't try to dominate, you know, they, they totally got that all screwed up in terms of having dominion. You know, you listen, you co- you know, you coexist with other life forms, you know, whether it's a plant or an animal or whatever, to the extent that it's, you know, safe to do so, you know, and, and, but I think basically in terms of the human to human kinds of things, the judgment things that, you know, they were, they were judging women back in Jesus's day. They didn't like Mary Magdalene. She was a mystic too. And they really didn't like that. She was smarter than they were, you know, and, you know, there are people that, you know, are protected, but, you know, um, Siddhartha, before he became the Buddha, he, he, he didn't have to be out there. He, he had a very wealthy and comfortable life. But to see sickness and to see poverty and to see old age, it troubled him. And he, he wanted to participate in bringing people peace. So, you know, we're, we're kind of dealing with the same kinds of things, except for we don't seem to have evolved from that mindset. In fact, we seem to be kind of spiraling out into, you know, destructive things. And it's just the, the, the progression seems to be inches instead of miles, you know? Yeah, well said, uh, if not depressing, but well said. Um, uh, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And actually, here's kind of like, I'm not steering a ship in any direction. But as you were speaking just now about that, I, I did start thinking, it would probably be an appropriate time to ask you, do you believe in like other dimensions and other life forms that like, perhaps humans could be partaking in, in different lives and stuff like that? Or do you believe that this is it? There's just the human show? Oh, yeah, there's definitely other dimensions. So from that perspective, 
I'm not asking this in a cynical way. It might sound like that to someone who doesn't know me. I, I care more about the environment than any other issue for sure. So I'm asking just maybe to like quell my own fears and anxieties, but what ultimately would be the cost if we like killed ourselves off? I mean, if there's other dimensions and there's other life, what would make this one so precious that that would be a tragedy? Well, I think that the, there there isn't anything that's unnecessary. This particular dimension is a school in and of itself, and it, it, it has uh, the capacity to teach us um, more about our true nature. So I don't think it's necessarily disposable, and I don't think that life would end if Earth ended. So I'm not sure if that's your question. No, that, that really was my question. And I'm not even interested on, like, you've explained on what authority you're answering it from, which is why I felt comfortable asking you. And I normally I would wait until after asking the next question, which is the only canned question in the podcast, as you know, which is, uh, what do you actually think happens when you die? And I always make sure I'm extra clear now, because I've done this 80-something times. I don't mean, like, what happens in general to other people. I'm really curious about, like, your real interpretation and envisionment of what will happen to you when you die? I think that consciousness is eternal. I think that my essence lives and it goes to another dimension. I don't know what I will embody, you know, in terms of whether it's a human or something else. Um, I could just merely be an energy until I decide I may want to have another experience to learn a lesson. Um, I just don't think that, you know, life is that finite. And is the I that decides the I that's talking to me right now? Or is that like what some people refer to as a higher self? I would say that it's my soul. And I think soul is eternal. The rest of the stuff, you know, it changes. I mean, you know, bodies you don't really need. Minds are, you know, for communication. But the soul is, is the essence that has its own its own way of, of communicating and, and resolving uh, what it needs to know. And so with all this background that we've explored in the first part of this podcast, I'm curious for what your life work is, which is helping people, which is amazing. And thank you, <laughs> just in case that wasn't clear at any point in this interview. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, helping people and doing it the way you do it is just so inspiring to me, but also like, I think it's really just ultimately what we're here to do. Um, so with, with that in mind, is the advice you give people when you're helping someone, does it change based on like their age or is the advice pretty much the same? You're just putting it in a different conceptual model for the person to get it better. Well, I don't think any of us are boilerplates. I think everybody has a unique experience. Um, not that the same types of things don't happen to different people. Um, you know, the basic things, health, relationships, finances are things that people deal with all the time. Um, but how you handle that emotionally, how you handle that psychologically, how you handle challenges that come up in life, um, you have to kind of look at the cause. You have to kind of look at where you became separate from your good in terms of your, your mindset, your thought processes. So I explore it from that point of view, but I also look at it from, you know, what are the qualities that are inherent in everyone? You know, there's goodness, you know, whether it's obvious or not, you know, there's some level of beauty, there's some level of joy, there's some level of, of wisdom, you know, and, and, and all of us are whole, even if we don't look like it, we may be missing a limb or a, a you know, an eye or something, but, but there's something that 
is common to all of us that we share. And, and because we share that, I call it spirit. I may call it Elohim, um, God, whatever. It is that that lives in all things that are, you know, even if it's like, you know, a chair, it, it was made out of wood, it, you know, or, or some element that came from the earth, you know. So, you know, we're all, you know, walking each other home. And so it, it, we get to relate to each other at the level of our understanding. I love that. That's such a beautiful phrase. Wow. We're all walking each other home. I love that. Thank you. I guess I'm just kind of curious because it helps me to hear someone as measured and responsible and kind as you are to relate their own journey. So like, what is a, an example of like a time where you were able to help yourself because you've done all this hard work. So like, you don't have to get into the specifics like of what happened to you, but like when you dealt with something like really, truly traumatic, it doesn't have to be that recent, but you know, like, What's the difference between being a person with no direction and then a person who's been studying and working hard for it? Probably self-love. You know, I had internalized racism, internalized sexism, internalized homophobia, you know, and all of this was about other people's perceptions. And so this was up to me to be able to say, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not you know, some kind of victim and I'm not, you know, inferior, you know, and I'm, I'm certainly an essential part of life and, and to really cultivate my own self-loving. And, and that's what I hope to do when I support other people in their journey. That's really cool. And I think it's so helpful to hear that because I think my biggest problem is exactly how I would phrase it is like when the dominant ideology tells you you're pathetic and you don't, want to give into that but you do feel pathetic and it's like this circle um so what's your advice when the person can't believe that it's true so i'd actually like to use race because i think that's a really good one like what if a person you know like they grow up in an environment where people are racist to them and then they actually start to think oh these people are right like how how do you get out of that and to me it's it's the connection with spirit there is an unconditional love that i have access to and and i lean into that and, and, and allow myself to feel that, that love that's powerful, that is not going to change, you know, and, and that is what helps me be restored to who I truly am as a spiritual being having a human experience. That's wow. Uh, Celeste, I can tell that you professionally speak and go around and talk about this a lot because your, your answers are quick. They're not canned, but they're quick. Like you're very sharp and, and clear about all this. And it's it's so wonderful to hear it. I'm, I'm direct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it. I like to get to the point. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. And it's perfect on a podcast because I'm getting to ask like probably 18 more questions than I normally have time for. So yeah, I mean, we've addressed a lot of like what people can and can't do to help themselves. And I, I thought that last part that you said about self-love coming from not self from like the greater greater love of the universe is there like a quick resource for people who are new to this new to this jargon new to this idea like what would be a a good reference point for them to kind of get started and obviously you do have books so i, I would highly <laughs> recommend those to anyone who likes you so i mean i would like to say that on your behalf yeah i mean you know my website celestefraser.com um and yeah my my books um you know one book talks about my my journey into my spiritual life one book talks about you know how to get through the year you know through 52 weeks of practicing the presence and my latest book which just came out last month is really kind of based on the course in miracles um i would say you know my teacher michael beckwith is another place to go agapelive.com there's there are lots of classes that are available 
Um, I have an app that I need to give some more attention to, but it's called Conscious Grace. It's on um, Google and on uh, Apple. And, you know, there's different classes and, um, you know, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do some live teaching and I'll do some, um, you know, some recordings and things. So there, there are lots of resources. If you look up the word New Thought Movement in uh, Google, uh, it might take you down a rabbit hole where you might find some interesting things. You might see something about the people that I've talked about. And so when you had this mystical experience, is there any risk that a person is not having a mystical experience but thinks it is one? Like I'm thinking of people who hear voices because hearing a voice could actually be totally normal. It could be part of a mystical experience and then it could also be something different. I would say that you kind of have a sense that something deeper is going on and that it's not just a voice or a sound or, but it's another, it's another dimension. It's another depth, not just your regular self-talk. It's, it's something beyond that. Thank you. So I always give my uh, guests the very last chance to talk. You're on a podcast. We've got hundreds of listeners and uh, hopefully they're going to listen to what you have to say. <sighs> I would like to say that love is, and I would like to say that it is never going to die. And if it doesn't show up in your experience to, to breathe in and breathe out and imagine what love would be like. And allow that to wash over yourself and just have a moment or two of peace, just enjoying that. Because that will probably open you up to something greater than what you've been experiencing. Wow. Well, that was profound, as were most of your answers to my questions today, even the not profound questions. So, Celeste Fraser, thank you again so much for coming on our podcast. Um, everyone who's listening in the liner notes will be her website, but it's CelesteFraser.com. So be sure to check it out. Uh, please do give attention to her books and other things. And uh, also, if you like any of them, please let me know. Give me feedback and I'll pass it on to her. Um, and for everyone listening, we always appreciate your support. The best way to support the show is just to head over to MikeyOp.com and sign up for the free subscription to the weekly email that comes with the podcast and for everyone listening at home my name is mike oppenheim and we will see you soon i see you hear this tune and i feel that you're near me and i see you are my moon